Welcome back, nerds, to the Game of Nerds podcast, where there's no shame in having an unhealthy obsession with a fandom. I'm your host, Shannon, and on this episode, we're talking all about the Supergirls television series with Supergirls Attic. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> uh, we've got Vivi and Cycles here. Introduce you guys self. Tell us a little bit about you. I'll go first, I guess. I'm Vivi. I got into fandom back in the day as a middle schooler. This was in uh, the era. In the ancient times. Yes, in the, the ancient, ancient times. times. This was, uh, I was told, not the real internet by a former student at one point, because um, I'm old, apparently. <laughs> and I have been involved in online fandom ever since. And as part of graduate school research, I started doing research on race and racial representation within fan work and fan content creation. Mm -hmm. Oh, fandom science, as we like to call it. Yeah. <laughs> the, the fandom nerds <laughs> who explain how our brain works with this fandom nerdness. Yeah, it's yeah. like nerdy within nerdy. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a bonus layer. Yes. It is eye it is cycles. <laughs> uh, and I, I began my descent into fandom uh, at around like 10 probably um with i started with video editing like fan video on youtube and such and um that interest has led me to a career in content creation so it's worked out i think i just can't believe you joined the cutthroat world of youtube video creation at like <laughs> i could 10 never years old. do it yeah i could never do it like that scares me that that <laughs> we tried for so long i mean tg run's been around for eight years we tried to dabble in youtube i mean i even tried to do it with the podcast i wanted to do oh like visual podcast mm -hmm. that takes skills it takes skill. <laughs> I don't have those fucking skills. You yeah, well, when you're 10 and you don't have anything else to do, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you you get the skills and then you do things with them if you'd like. <laughs> it but does from, take skills. From a teacher and a parent point of view, it just goes mm -hmm. to prove that if you let your kids, you know, do the things that they love and experiment and try these skills that are obviously becoming prevalent in the world that we live in today, yeah. look at where it brings you and you get to do yeah. cool things that you love because... Yeah. That's what we love doing, see, things that we love. mom and dad, it was okay that I was up till like 4 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. I always tell everybody, I I think my dad realized TGON was a thing when we went to the first uh, Silicon Valley. No, it was the second Silicon Valley Comic Con. It's now Silicon with oh, Adam, cool. Adam Savage here in San Jose. And uh, William Shatner was there. And I got to interview him and everything like that. And I brought my dad along with me and everything. And my dad's just, you know, Big tall guy walking around the convention like, all right, Shannon, I, I get this. I get this. My dad grew up loving William Shatner and Star Trek. He had no idea that that's what we were going to do. I just told him, hey, dad, come out and have a, an adventure with me. He turned into a 10-year-old boy the minute he saw William Shatner and he was there. And then I was like, oh, yeah, we're, I'm talking to him. I get to interview him. And oh, Andy needs his pop sign, too. So we're going to get our pop signed here while we're standing here. And he's like, my dad's flipping out and... Oh, yeah. He's <laughs> silent the whole way home. And I mean, it's a 45 minute drive from the convention to his house and he get to the driveway and put the car in park and I'm waiting for it to get out. And he turns to me and he goes, well, you've done pretty damn well for yourself. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, OK. All right. You just well. won like 20 arguments of the past. Yeah. <laughs> I have like a similar dad story because with like fan <laughs> things or glee of all things, because oh, like my siblings and I all did theater and stuff growing up. So like my parents loved the TV show and like we all, you know, I watched it too. And I, I happened as like a gift for finishing like one of my grad programs, got a ticket 
to go see them tour when they were coming to DC. And um, I was in the pit in the second row, which was like wild in and of itself. But I got to go to like a meet and greet thing. And my dad, when he found out, he was like, can you get something signed for me? Um, <laughs> I'm like, asked, asked for it because I got to meet Naya Rivera and Corey Monteith, who have both since died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he liked both of their characters. So like he was very excited. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's those little moments now that you remember forever because when you see those characters and stuff like that, it's yeah. just like, oh, I remember these little moments. And I know that when, you know, as sad as I say that, you know, when these people do move on and especially like, I fear the day, day I don't have my dad, but I will always remember the look of him seeing William Shatter, like, we're going to go talk to him. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah. My daughter is going to interview him and talk to him? No. And we're here to talk about Supergirl. And I, I as much as I, I love dad stories because dads are the best. And, and actually, we did we did just do a dad's episode. We did. That's yeah. true. Yeah. You guys just did a dad's episode and didn't Supergirl figure out her dad's in the phantom zone of this this uh-huh. season going on right mm-hmm. now. So this, yeah. it actually ends it up working out. It's, it's it super relevant. <laughs> uh, but before we jump into Supergirl, I'd like to ask you guys, what have you guys been binging? What's been taking your money? Is there anything you guys have been like obsessing that's not Supergirl? Because this is your one minute to not talk about something Supergirl related. <laughs> the one time in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's your time to shine. Well, uh, I've been super obsessed with Black Widow, actually. Um, She is. She keeps trying to convince me that I should watch it and I'm not really up for it. I haven't gone to it yet. It's it's on my list of things to do this weekend. But But what I like to say about it is that like, yes, like Marvel in that respect doesn't get like props for the movie existing, you know, in terms of like representation. But also the movie's probably a lot better than it would have been if they had released it in like, I don't know, 2000... Night, I don't know, 16 or whatever. Because um, it's just more, it's less like, like forced. We're trying to be feminist, but we don't really know what to do about it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's quite a good time um, for like its own creative work. And Vivi, what have you been, what have you been assessing about? Uh, um, I just bought this book called The Broadcast 41, and it is about women in the TV and film industry who were blacklisted by ex-FBI agents in the 1950s as part of like the anti-communist backlash and how that relates to kind of like the cultural atmosphere today and how it really set back representation of women and minorities in media for decades holy no you're gonna have to send me the title of this book that no that i had heard parts of that because you know a lot of us know that a lot of celebrities went up on trial to congress and everything and had to testify so to hear that there was an even more like women were being blacklisted to the point that they couldn't work and they were probably being stalked and terrorized by these people you know Um, yeah (laughs) Um, And yeah, so it was specifically a list of 41 women who were identified through looking at archival material and historical records and kind of telling the stories of the projects that they were trying to launch and kind of what we missed out on by those voices being taken out of the conversation. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. No, it's really cool. Hall, are these TV shows and movies or is this all yeah. kinds of media? Okay. It's a, it's a big mix. Like Lena Horne is one who is a singer. Yeah. And uh, Darcy Parker. What, I was surprised actually because I was like, I know who these people are. There, <laughs> apparently there was like a whole lot more to all, to all of the story and kind of what they were doing that was seen as really, you know, going against 
what the book calls uh, G-man masculinity. So this like post-World War II like idea of what it meant to be like a man in American society. And also um, the other part of it that was interesting was like the idea that the roles of women were in flux because of World War II because so many women had like gone and started working and then people oh, were yeah. like, now we got to we got to kill that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we got to yeah. go back to the way things were. But it also yeah. was the start of how women became more independent. This was the start of how single moms were able to go and get yep. jobs and be able to provide for their kids. And the kind of attitude of like, I don't need no man like I can I can do it. But I'm going to I'm going to need society to kind of catch up here with me to allow me to do these kind of things. Mm -hmm. I I feel like I need to now like rack your brain of maybe coming up with a book list, because once again, you you and Tara, you are both fandoms, my fandom science people. Um, You guys, I've actually met you through her. Um, (laughs) So that's I. I'm so fascinated out of how brain and science and psychology and how this all affects the the fandom life and nerdism as it because the fact that there's an actual word for how I feel about Sebastian Stan still blows my damn mind you guys <laughs> still blows my damn mind yep recently what we've been watching there's no new Bluey so sorry for all you people who are wondering if there's new Bluey there's no new Bluey update but we are getting a caravan toy which we are very very excited about that's coming out we have been, though, binge-watching Monsters at Work, which is the new Disney Plus uh, TV series on Monsters, Inc. and Monsters <laughs> University. Uh, they brought back most of the or- original cast to do the voices. So Mike, cool. Sully, Celia's in it. They brought back a little, a few of the little background monsters. But it's basically the story of the day after Monsters, Inc., after that story, like mm-hmm. how it has to be changed into a laugh factory and the new characters in it. And basically it's about the myths, which is the Monsters, Inc.'s facility team, the people who keep Monsters, Inc. running and how they keep things fixed. And they're all basically kind of the reject monsters who didn't make it onto the <laughs> laugh or the screen floor. And uh, Mindy Kaling's in it, which I did oh, not cool. know until I was like, wait, I know, like I've heard this voice where have I heard this voice? And then we watched Inside Out and I was yep. like, ah, that's where I've heard this voice. We like to hear the the Monsters, Inc. lore. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's very much got that vibe. It's very cutesy. And for 23 minutes, it's got three episodes. And I think they're releasing new episodes every week, kind of like they were doing with Loki and all these other shows. Oh, cool. So kind of cute. And it's kind of, it's been a different take of Monsters, Inc. Because, you know, we don't get a lot of Pixar TV shows. It's always like a movie and... I have seen Luca probably two times every single day since it dropped. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good, you guys. Now I'm going to preface this. Okay. I've been on TGON, been running this for eight years. I started our bread and butter on CW shows. Like that's how we got started. Mm-hmm. Uh, the beginning of the CW Arrowverse and all these shows. I was deep in the hole. <laughs> I was deep. I had all of them. And Supergirl was like the last show I grasped onto before I fucking gave up, you guys. Like, <laughs> it got to the point where it there's too many shows, there's too much going on, and once you once they started doing the crossovers, I said I can't do it. I just I can't. <laughs> well, from where we stand, you only need one. <laughs> that, yes. And that's what Supergirl's I love about one. you guys. You're like you literally were in my notes. Like I don't want to talk about any other fucking CW show. Forget it. We are only talking about Supergirl. And that's why I love you. 
But the, the crappy part is everything's connected into it. So you really can't. Um, is it though? Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it like does not partake. Too. I don't watch any of. Well, no, that's not true. I do watch Black Lightning, but I that's don't watch true. the other. It's ones. like one of the least connected shows. They, they are the two that watch. are the most standalone. Yeah. Yeah. But it, mm-hmm. it just amazes me of how like in the span of just, you know, like even for me for eight years of how many of these shows have came out and Supergirl is like one of a lot of people say the last one standing really, but there's been other ones that have came out. We've got Superman and Lois now Black Lightning still on Legends of Tomorrow's on its last season. Flash has got one more season. I think mm-hmm. Legends is Legends is still going. Black Lightning. Black Lightning's leaving. Saving. Okay. So I got them all mixed up. See, see, I can't even <laughs> keep track of them because there's too many. Okay. But well, apparently we I, know enough to help there. <laughs> okay. Hey, that's good. As long as we've got some pinpoints of tracks here where we can keep <laughs> things consistent, you guys. What I loved about Supergirl was she was the first show that really wasn't on CW. Like mm-hmm. we all thought she wasn't part of this whole universe because she started on CBS joke was on a lot of people because a lot of people don't realize that CW and CBS are pretty much owned by the same company so Mm -hmm. really they owned owned them the same time yeah they made like an internal decision as opposed to you know dropping it and like something getting canceled and then someone else picks it up it was more of a like business decision behind the scenes Well, what I, uh, when I was doing the research, what I learned, the first season was one of the most highly licensed feed per episode TV series ever at $3 million an episode. And the cost of moving it just to Vancouver alone was one of the major reasons why they decided to keep it because they could cut costs that way majorly just by moving it to CW. Well, and that's one of the things like when we do our show, we sometimes try to give some insight into like, well, why is the storyline this way? Because like fans don't always get like that the licensing fees and getting permission to use those characters from DC Comics heavily influences like how they can tell stories and what they can do and on how much of short notice they can like change plans with certain (laughs) things. So yeah. And like um, which characters can become lesbians, (laughs) the ones that are not. (laughs) Ones that are original. Yeah. (laughs) Moving the first season to the, or going from what first season to second season and then moving to Vancouver, there was a lot of character negotiations. Now you're talking about characters and actors Actors, who, you know, Callista Flockhart was contracted to only work in LA, I believe. And so moving here to Vancouver wasn't an issue. And so I guess production moved everything around to where they could fly her in for like a week or two to film all of her, you know, scenes and then fly her back out. I feel like this is one of the few, one of the few shows where a lot of the background stuff influenced the plot line. Is that kind of your guys' experience of watching the series? Well, that's kind of how Vivi and I think of TV in general. It's just more, it's a little bit more on the surface and and more easily visible with Supergirl that like we can tell, oh, they moved networks and that is something that influenced the story. And if you have a little bit of like, oh, this person can't come out to Vancouver for whatever reason, oh, it makes sense that they wouldn't be able to do that kind of storyline. So it's a little bit more visible as opposed to, I think, more like actually impactful than some other shows. I think it's just broadly, all shows are like that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's more obvious here, but like with the the move from, from CBS to CW, 
the biggest difference obviously was the casting, like not all of the actors. And it was mostly for secondary characters, like other than Callista Flockhart, mm-hmm. the entire main cast did go. But one of the other things that was happening at that point in time was like CBS was under a lot of scrutiny for kind of not giving sufficient attention to any of its female-led shows. And yep. that was part of it as well. It was like, oh, it's not doing very well. and But they didn't really well, try very hard. Let's so. be honest. <laughs> there's nothing on CBS. And I've had this discussion with other people uh, on the podcast. CBS really doesn't have that strong of a TV lineup. No, let's it's be a lot here. of procedurals, like a lot. For a long time, <laughs> the only thing that was on there was the Big Bang Theory that most of fans our age were, or, you know, nerds were, really watching CBS for. But also elementary. Oh, that's true. <laughs> elementary was on there. I I forget about those little gems because those gems were so far back. Yeah. There in those, yeah. tum- I remember elementary from the Tumblr days. Like that gives yep. me Tumblr feels when you say elementary. I'm like, ooh, I remember the gems. They always had, yeah. oh, those are back in the day. Person of interest had a weird sleeper oh, yeah. following. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those shows, there was another one. It wasn't Criminal Minds on CBS too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those, all those like shows were on there, but there wasn't really a big like yeah. cult, cult like going a, and like a fun show. <laughs> yeah. The Big Bang Theory was it. And the way that the networks worked for us on a media end is the only way you could get CW screeners was if you covered CBS shows. Oh. And do you know how hard it is to find writers who want to cover <laughs> Like season kind 10 of, of CSI Miami. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants to do that. So yeah. So we had to work and finagle some ways to, to, to do the CW shows because it was like pulling teeth because obviously they wanted the traffic going to CBS because yeah. they knew they were getting a lot of traffic with their CW shows. Mm-hmm. I feel like Supergirl was the first real girl superhero we had. I mean, she came out, uh, her series started, what, 2015. We weren't going to get Wonder Woman until 2017, really. Mm -hmm. So she really was the first DC female character that we had to grasp onto. With the way that the CW lineup was Mm -hmm. and the lack of female representation that there was, were you surprised that they went with Supergirl? I mean, at that point, they had... Uh, we had Black Canary. We had a lot of other female characters, but they weren't really at the forefront. They could have yeah. easily made any one of those characters a standalone show. Why mm-hmm. do you think they went with Supergirl? Well, there's Supergirl and then there's Wonder Woman. Like when you think of yeah. DC, there they are. <laughs> like the two female yeah. superheroes that you think of. The only other ones are like the women of Batman because there were 8 million versions of Batman on TV right. and in the movies. Yeah, like Batgirl. Catwoman. Or, you know. As we see now, Batwoman. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like Batwoman kind of rode on Supergirl's tail? Like they're trying to like pull on that tail line? Because I, I really don't see the appeal behind Batwoman. I, I've tried to watch the show. I, I can't do it. I think that it exists because Supergirl did well. <laughs> you know, well, like by the CW standards, it performed the way that it expected they wanted it to. And in terms of the representation type things and and thinking like there will be people who enjoy this. So in that sense, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's important to to factor in at the point in 2015 when Supergirl came out, it was the first time in like over 35 years that there had been a female superhero led show like Wonder Woman ended it the, the TV show in 1979 and there yeah. was nothing to follow it. You know, it was like we've hit the end of the women's movement 
sexism is dead like <laughs> um and yeah. then then this show came out in 2015 and then within it's only been you know 5 6 years since then think about the yeah. sheer number of properties that have followed it because there's mm-hmm. been evidence that there is an audience for it no there is and and truly the dc female characters are quite badass if they are done properly and done well um i feel like dc has been one of those franchises who hasn't done justice with their characters in some ways and in in some ways they have i'm glad that they're bringing supergirl um to light because like we were just talking about we we collect dc pops and i have a crap ton of dc pops there's only one supergirl Mm -hmm. only one they only made one supergirl pop you only need one No, but I and I totally get that. I kid, yeah. But, but I have seven different Olivers. Oh my I god! Have, you yeah. know, for, you know, like in the grand scheme of things. Well, then you need more Olivers to be able to defeat Supergirl. That's why. <laughs> that that's why. That's fair. But we were talking before we even started recording about how there's just a lack of Supergirl merchandise and how it, if it mm-hmm. is Supergirl, it's it's a different color or it's lighter colors and things like that. Yeah, it's a little bit pulling teeth with the female superhero characters for DC and Marvel to be like, oh, like, we'll give it a real shot. <laughs> they sort of yeah. like, they hold, it's like one hand behind their back, you know, while they're, while they're going for it a lot of the time. Now, I know Supergirl originally did not enter anywhere in the universe, Arrow universe the first season. It was pretty much standalone, its own little kind of universe, we thought. We're like, oh, okay, it's going to stay on CBS. And then it went over to CW. We're like, ah, oh, shit, it's going to be involved with everything else because now it's all connected. <laughs> How far does the wormhole does it go into the other shows? Because you guys like to say, no, 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 you don't have to watch any of these other <laughs> things. Whereas everyone I've ever talked to says, oh yeah, if you start with one CW show, you have to start with, you have to do all <laughs> you of have them. To watch every so single. Supergirl's probably the only one that ever participates in the crossovers where you like really don't have to watch the crossovers except for Crisis. I typically describe watching the crossovers like as someone who doesn't watch The Flash or Arrow or Legends as like going to a family reunion and you just see all these people that you interact with once a year and you're like, okay, weird uncle, bye. Like, uh, (laughs) how how are we related again? Okay, how are you? I know you're a cousin somehow. Yeah. (laughs) You weren't here last time. Analogy, because like, that's how I kind of felt watching some of these. Like I'd get to, I think I literally only watched the first crossover and then in I started to get closer to the second crossover and it just got, once again, too many shows, too much involvement. And I had to put my hands in the air and go, I give up. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, they're I think they're fun if you like all the shows, like if you're already doing that. But like, I don't think there's an obligation really for you to actually enjoy the shows for you to be watching all of the other shows. Yeah. And I think that's what I like about Supergirl. I felt like the other series, like uh, Arrow and Flash, they depended so much on each other to kind of guide the storylines together to get to to the crossovers. I like that Supergirl was its own, dealt with its own issues within its own world and its own series. Well, the other important Mm -hmm. piece of that is like, even though the show migrated over to CW with the rest of them, it still remained on its own self-contained Earth. Until Crisis on Infinite Earths, which was just last year. So like, yeah, Kara would go like help out everybody else with like villains they couldn't defeat because she could wipe the floor with every villain from every other show. But it didn't really impact the storytelling in the world of Supergirl, the show itself. So like 
you could watch the crossovers and have fun and know that it would have almost no impact whatsoever on the next episode. (laughs) (laughs) You weren't fearful to watch the next episode because like you had missed out or something or something was going to be spoiled because you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we've moved on. Yeah, well, and like they did a pretty okay job of including like the bits from the crossovers in the previously on if there was something that you needed to know. Probably the only one Mm -hmm. that was like a little bit of an egregious (laughs) crossover was in season two where Kara went on to um, The Flash for like yeah. a, the music, for the musical crossover where they had a resolution to a major storyline for Kara happen on The Flash and then just brought it back into Supergirl in the next episode and were like, everything's resolved now. And people were like, why did <laughs> you do that? Like, <laughs> it was a little bit yeah. painful of a storyline yeah. point to begin with, which is why I made that harsh. <laughs> And now I'm going to be honest. I remember watching that episode and I'm, I remembered the resolution you were talking about. I'm going, why the hell is, why, why is, why is this in the flash? Why do we even care about this? Like, I, I don't, all right, whatever. Apparently I'm behind on Supergirl. All right. I, I need to catch up on that. But I think that was like one of the last few episodes I watched before. I was just like, all right, this is, this is too much and I cannot keep track of everything. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe we should start at the beginning and kind of explain how her first season, I feel like, is such a great pilot season and Mm -hmm. explaining Supergirl's story, her origin, setting her up to be the most badass DC superhero she could be. I could not ask for a better first season. And then I was looking at the ratings to find out that in the six seasons that she has, six seasons that Supergirl has, five of them already being rated. Only one is rated below in a C. The rest are all eight. Which one was? Like above 80%. I believe it was season three. (sighs) They said it it was, and that's, (laughs) see, and that's where they, where we were getting tough. They said it was very deep plot storyline, really heavy, heavy season. And then, the you know this following season it was like oh everything's happy dory back to back to normal it, it was like a very different but it wasn't <laughs> season four was like no season four was like painful like season in a different four way was painful in like how much Indeed, it mirrored yeah. reality like no <laughs> that wasn't a light yeah, it was season it did not turn in. Uh, season three was very like it was where Kara um was going through a darker period And and it was about, yeah, about like within her life. And then it was about her like learning to love her life again a little bit. And I mean, if that's not your cup of tea, that's fine. But it made sense for the season to start pretty dark and then over time get a little bit lighter. And then she feels she's in a good place by the end of that. Well, what I want to say to add to that is that actually knowing that that was the season that was lower rated doesn't surprise me at all because I've noticed this since probably like back in the day with Harry Potter um, fans and audience members tend not to like seeing characters struggle with mental health issues. And they tend to really be like, why can't they just get over it? Or very critical mm-hmm. of it. And I know you you did an episode talking about parasocial relationships and the ways we relate to characters. And, yeah, you know, for a lot of people, they use media as an escape. And sometimes if it's reminding you of your problems or things that you don't want to think about, you have this very strong reaction of like, I don't like this, make it go away. Um, and there was a little bit of that wrapped into that that front part of season three of Supergirl because Kara is going through this very difficult period in her life. Alex goes through 
a, a very difficult life change in the beginning of the season as well. John Jones, Martian Manhunter goes through some challenging things. And then they also bring back some characters in the later part of the season that like a very vocal contingent of fans did not like. And so they started like down rating episodes on purpose. So <laughs> there was a lot. Of... <laughs> yes. season, season three was also the period when there were like fake leaks of spoilers coming out from the show mm-hmm. and like just a lot of misinformation yeah. floating around. And the show finally put a, a kibosh on that at the end of season three. And you bring up a great point. We talk about Tara and the parasocial relationships and how the, you know, fandoms can get a little, a little crazy is an understatement. But what that season, we're talking about 2018. I call that the beginning of the fandom toxicity where mm-hmm. everyone started becoming hypercritical of everything. Nothing was perfect. Everything had to be a specific way. It wasn't pleasing everyone. And the reality is, is fandom's supposed to be an escape. It's not supposed to be perfect. It's just meant to be an escape. And when you are now becoming so hypocritical of the producers, the show and everything and making it unenjoyable for everybody else, mm-hmm. you're being a dick. Stop being a dick. <laughs> when every day is cinema sin- sins. <laughs> yeah. You, you've you got to, or, you know, like at some point, you know, we talk about there's a line in a stand where, you know, y- you have to let these characters go. The actors and the characters are two different people. Um, you cannot hate on a actor for something the character did. That's there. There's mm-hmm. two. That's two different people. There's a bit of a um, difficulty, like figuring out what reality is, <laughs> and like drawing those lines. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I feel like Supergirl is one of those shows, like I was saying, there was a lot of behind the scenes drama with, I know certain, um, like Calissa Flockhart, she could only be in LA. I know there were certain contracts that got moved around, certain characters uh, Mm -hmm. in certain seasons came back and whatnot. And toxicity too. Well, but we've actually reached the point where like that a lot of that stuff happened in the early seasons. And now that it's years later, like people who are fans of that character are like, pretending that none of that stuff existed and they're like making up new narratives about why a character is not there or how other characters were like mean to this person and we're like (laughs) are you gaslighting me like I watched the show from the beginning like I know (laughs) that you're lying what happened what is going on like it mirrors this this issue of disinformation just more broadly like socially and it's it's really Mm -hmm. just kind of disturbing sometimes yeah you track the you track the misinformation the sort of narratives that people come up with that like they just tell their own stories about what has happened with no like actual evidence you know about it and well a lot of people feel like they know the character like they know the character I know there's like an ownership yeah and you don't own them they're their own people and and not everybody knows the facts the only person who knows the fact like I always you know if somebody's pregnant, like we would say, like all the speculation of Melissa was pregnant and everything. You want to know who the only person who should care if she's pregnant or not? Melissa and her husband. <laughs> to everybody else, it doesn't matter. Stop speculating. Well, and to this point uh, that you had both about season three and about okay. like whether or not people know, like uh, like having an ownership over the characters. It's so funny to me that how much people dislike season three because like i mean if you're listening to this and you don't know a whole lot about supergirl as a show it's very much about like finding hope it's like the whole point yeah of the show and like finding a family after this huge loss that supergirl went through you know, Kara, like she lived on krypton and then krypton like she was there as a kid for 13 years and then 
lost her planet. And so it's a huge, unimaginable loss. And then she comes to Earth and starts over and starts this new life. But she's so like, you know, joyful as a person. And that's sort of the the sort of marvelous thing about her. Yeah. And then in season three, we have the storyline where she's feeling it more than she had before, where like, you know, she was a kid and she there's a bit of resiliency there and like just kind of going on with your life. And then she had this big loss and then she thinks the trauma is coming yeah. back. Yeah, yeah. It came back. She went through this huge depression and put all herself into like Supergirl um, and wasn't that very happy, joyful person on like that persona that she has. And then people and, and then she went through the storyline of finding that again and finding joy and like the and, the and first episode of our podcast is called we're going to be okay because that's what she says at the end of season three is that yep. conclusion like oh it is okay i'm going to be okay i have people that i love and it's worth continuing on and that's so at the core of the show that it confuses me so much I, just everything else gets in the way for people sometimes and yeah. some of the messages that maybe they would need to hear the most in their lives they they don't they can't take in hmm yeah I think you just nailed it on the hammer in the most beautiful way possible. Like, th- that was amazing. Bravo. <laughs> I just have a lot of Supergirl feelings. Uh... <laughs> no, because unlike, the only thing I can compare it to is I remember watching Arrow and it'd be like, oh, Oliver's having a problem. And by the end of the episode, they solved it. With mm-hmm. Supergirl, it was like, yeah, you knew she had a problem, but it, they spent like the whole season like mm-hmm. very well, like methodically trying to figure out how to get through. It wasn't solved overnight. It, yeah. The problem wasn't solved in a and week. And it was hard it for was, people to like, th- being used to that kind of turnaround yeah. for like problems being solved is a little more uncomfortable, especially like if we think about binging and people getting used to that oh, and yeah. having the answers. All you have to do is stay up all night and then you'll know, yeah. you know, but yeah. with every week Supergirl comes out and she's like not who she was before, <laughs> you know, it's, it's tough for well, people. Well, I've also seen like there's, People come into a week-to-week broadcast show expecting the questions to be answered like if you were binging or if you were watching a YouTube show that's 20 minutes long. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, this is a plot hole. I'm like, this is like if you stood up 15 minutes into a two-hour movie and said that you hated the ending. Like, it's not over. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, we're just spoiled. (laughs) We're spoiled now. Unfortunately, we're we're all of similar ages of where we remember of when we didn't have DVR and we had to like commercials <laughs> and, and wait, all, yeah. like we're just spoiled now to the fact that we can have the instant gratification. Like give me the, I can go on Wikipedia right now and read all six seasons of Supergirl be caught up. <laughs> Let me tell you, no matter how many times you read the Wikipedia, you're still confused as fuck. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that right now. It's like speaking from personal um, experience. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, no, I, because that's after I wrote out your guys' skeleton, which was how a, uh, months ago so that we've talked yeah. before recording this podcast mm-hmm. i was i've been reading everything i'm still confused <laughs> and it, it it may be because the the arrowverse everything has infiltrated my brain and i'm just confused but supergirl to its core really is one problem the whole entire season and they're figuring it out mm-hmm. it isn't 90 million other problems and 50 million characters involved like the <laughs> other shows it is very simply laid out i think my confusion is who is who? Yeah. What the hell is going on? And where the hell did they come from? Yes. <laughs> Which, yeah. Is it the future? Is it another planet? Yeah. Yeah. I, that's my problem. Right. That's where I got confused. 
but there there are some core characters that you guys that you guys have had through all the seasons. Can you let our fault our listeners know what maybe some of the core characters that like, hey, if you hear this name, they're gonna be consistent throughout the whole season. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously we have Supergirl. Yeah. I'll let you, I, she's, oh, no, she's your favorite. Really? So I'll let you hero of my yeah. heart. <laughs> Played by Melissa Benoist. Yeah. Uh so there's Kara and then there's Kara's sister. Yes. Alex, who's an original character, which is one of Phoebe's favorite facts. Yes. Well, it's it's important to know because they sometimes apply storylines that they maybe can't get away with with a licensed character to Alex. My favorite mm-hmm. factoid that explains Alex Danvers as a character was said by Greg Berlanti, who created the show, which is that if her sister wasn't Supergirl, she could be the hero of her own show. And then the other kind of the core three characters in the show is um, mm-hmm. Jean Jones or the Martian Manhunter, played by David Harewood, who you might know from Homeland. He didn't necessarily, I think he didn't know initially when they contracted him for the pilot that that was the character he was mm-hmm. going to play. And um, he's, he's, he was going to play it. someone else. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. And then he did some well, a little bit of research <laughs> into Martian Manhunter. He's like the dad of the mm-hmm. show. Yes. Um, in a really, grounded way where like you know how in a lot of shows where there's like a big group of people there's like one who's like kind of the dadish. he's like legitimately like he's they see him like car and alex see him as like a legit father figure yeah. um he's, he's, he always gave me that vibe like i'm here to protect you i'm trying to do what's best for you can you please goddamn listen <laughs> to me <laughs> yes well it's also important he he doesn't, he also has his own stuff. Yeah, he's not he, like all no. about the, the two Yeah, and especially as they go forward and um, particularly with Kara, which we talked about in our dad's episode, um, the two of them, because they both went through similar losses of a planet and a culture and mm-hmm. their immediate birth families, they have this really nice kinship that starts to come out in later seasons where there's this mutual understanding of loss, but also they are the mm-hmm. two most powerful superheroes in all of DC canon, them yeah. and Superman. Um, yeah. So like, yeah. So yeah. we have a combo of like super powerful, cool characters, then with this huge like wealth of depth of, of like emotion and emotion and experiences yes. and then mix in, in the and then mixed into that is there one like human family member who just feels like having has to keep up with all of that but is also like wholly <laughs> unimpressed by power because she's like whatever i shared a bathroom with supergirl like <laughs> you don't scare me like exactly and then we have the other characters who are sort of like in and out like um we had james olsen played by mccod brooks um, um was there for yeah the and he was seasons. really there as kind of like that gateway character for people who knew superman the the story to ground to, to ground the the world of supergirl and and kind of draw people in that way um and then in later seasons they added his sister kelly olsen who's got a really cool mm-hmm. storyline coming up this season she's played by ozzy testify so uh, we're both really excited about that yeah yeah, we have obviously a uh, huge fandom following for Kate McGraw, who plays Lena Luther. Yeah, um, and then again, on sort of like a different kind of fandom, John Cryer playing Lex Luther yes. is is big with the 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 comic nerds because he's such a good yeah. portrayal he of Lex Luther. He does an amazing job playing Lex Luther. He like, does. He's he's mm-hmm. probably my favorite of out of all the versions I have seen of the Lexes. Yeah. Nicole Maines, who plays Nianal Dreamer, who is an original character <gasps> who was introduced in season four. She is the first live action transgender superhero in mm-hmm. uh, media generally. 
that was a huge deal and she is an amazing character and i saw the the bits and pieces for that episode that dropped and the amount of, once again i think i'm amazed by the sheer talent of the the yeah. cast and the group as a whole mm-hmm. um like i say i think the only way i can really say it is it feels more like a professional show Mm-hmm. than the other ones. Does that make sense to yeah. you guys? Like, I feel like the other one, and I don't mean to knock off the other the other CW shows because they are, they're, I, I, okay, mm-hmm. TG1 was built on those yeah. and I've spent a lot of hours and I did enjoy a lot of those first good seasons with a lot of those shows. It just got to be too much. I, I feel like those, like you say, are just, they were rushed, they were sent out. See, it's like time, energy, and perfection was super so cool. cycles is <laughs> laughing because i i will explain it as the show was originally intended to broadcast on cbs so the caliber to some extent of the acting was you know people thinking they were taking a gig on the cbs network which has mm-hmm. a different level of prestige of prestige in terms of winning awards Jeez. and that kind of thing so yeah. that carried over in in just the, the sheer level of of talent among the main cast mm-hmm. members and then the story, you know, you have to serve storytelling that will keep those talented people from not getting bored. So, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> yeah, the other yeah. shows have a different kind of thing. to yeah. offer. Like I, I love the camp. I love, you know, the superhero shenanigans. Um, just Supergirl is for me personally in, in the way that I like media. It has this bright level of like camp and like, theatrics for superheroism and then like feeling like real characters who have like real serious problems sometimes and like you're like crying and then laughing because something is ridiculous and then you're crying again you know it's almost as like if we put grace and how like if we had lexi <laughs> and alex yeah like a little bit less dramatic kind of... than grace and it's <laughs> well not that dramatic but that level of you know like just the performance behind it and mm-hmm. and the thought level behind everything because you guys i know you guys have watched Grey's anatomy and how how shonda rhymes levels and t- uh lines things up and makes things all link and you're like no i didn't think about I've seen how Supergirl like, oh yeah, that came from that mm-hmm. episode or from mm-hmm. that season. Um, there's a lot of thought. And that's mm-hmm. that's one of the it. things that we talk about a lot in our podcast because um we like to to explain not not just what's happening in the current episode, but like how does this fit with the character and how they've evolved since season one and you know, mm-hmm. experiences that they've had or how they interact with other characters. And like the show's done a really nice job of of keeping that piece of it in mind is like you know these are all Mm -hmm. people who live in a world with a context and the ways they interact with with each other change over time as they learn and and develop yeah supergirl's attic comes from sort of like the tradition of if you think like long meta analysis or like complex thoughts just posts on tumblr.com about the show you know like oh here's this like you know scene that happened here and like a parallel etc um and we kind of grew from that and turned it into this this Supergirl's Attic podcast. Yeah. Well, it also helps like, yeah, I, I just like doing that kind of character analysis generally. And then I was also, I had too much free time in graduate school maybe, but um, <laughs> was doing, I was experimenting with doing quantitative analysis of different aspects of fandom and then folding that into the, the more qualitative piece of fan studies, which is mostly like anthropology based and um, kind of mm-hmm. writing out 
how that was going because that's something that's still fairly new because there's not a lot of ways that you can capture like data. Yep. And so that's that's kind of I think how we started interacting actually cycles because I yeah, had a bunch of I posts. I, and- I interacted on a post that you did and I'm like I'm like a little bit like critical like so did you think of this angle? <laughs> and then you're like yeah I did I did and then we've been doing that ever since. <laughs> it's you met your match and when you find your people as yeah. I say you got to keep your people because. That's how you learn. I, you know, a lot of people, I had this discussion with Russ on his episode with Marvel. Um, a lot of people think that people like podcasters and journalists and media were hypo- were so critical of the media. Like we, we overanalyze mm-hmm. and we are, but for some of us, that's fun. Like <laughs> we love ripping them apart and we're not doing it in a mean way. We just want to know how that, like how that's working or how they're thinking yeah. or, mm-hmm. well, does this relate to that? Um, you can rip something to shreds and still yeah. like it though. <laughs> well, Supergirls, we, we try a little bit, um, when we were created, it was in season three where it was quite contentious within the fandom <laughs> and we wanted to have a little bit more of a joyful, uh, way of analyzing the show and, and a little bit more, I guess, compassionate and understanding toward like why this makes, and trying, I guess, to find a way that it makes sense. Yeah. And it does like not like we're making it up, but like under like making the effort in that direction as opposed to sometimes it goes the and other saying, way where it's like, how can I poke holes? Yeah, in this? and it's so I mean, yeah. like it's not that we won't be critical of like a storyline that's not working mm-hmm. or like oh, this would have been there was potential for this character to go in this interesting way and it didn't, but more also kind of giving that piece of like, well, here's like. You know, people were complaining, for example, this season about the CGI not looking as good. And it's because there's a shortage of developers because of COVID, because everyone yeah. in the world is trying to CGI everything. And also Supergirl came mm-hmm. back for the beginning of season six, like two months early, and they had to rush it. So it was like, this is such an unfair criticism to make just because <laughs> yeah. you can yeah. see it. like. And it's just a little yeah. bit, it's just fun to be like, okay, well, why did this happen? Is yeah. it just because like, you know, maybe the quality isn't as good in one case or another, or is there something else happening here? You guys are being the official, like, line deterrence of, are you being a dick or not? <laughs> like, <laughs> is your is your criticism valid or are you just being a dick? Because like the CGI and stuff like that, I see so many fans who will literally write or like tell me your review, like this movie was crap and it was this. And That's I'm just not, thinking, yeah. did you create this movie? Did you create this podcast? Did you do it? No, shut the front door right now. Goodbye. I don't have time to even answer you. Because like you say, it takes time and energy and these people are doing the best they can, but there, there has been certain, you know, there are certain scenarios where you're like, no, you really, you really could yeah. have done better. <laughs> exactly. With this. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's often like, oh, you made a choice here and, and, it's, yeah. <laughs> and it's not working. <laughs> yeah. Well, and sometimes like one of the things we'll do is we'll figure out, okay, like why was this choice made? And was it like a, you could have made a better choice or was it like this was the best option <laughs> yeah. because of like seven Available, external yeah. factors? Like, <sighs> yeah. Once again, are you being a yeah. dick or not? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know that there has been massive drama, like in every fandom. Okay, the Supergirl is no exception. I can list like probably six fan of six fandoms or more that I have listened to drama about. Everyone's got them. Supergirl though has been very vocal about their actor choices, and when an actor is chosen that they don't like, they get really just 
Well, vocal is the word I'm going to go with. <laughs> I'm curious which, 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 which ones are you thinking, thinking of? <laughs> oh, there's there's been quite a few. That's why I say that you guys, you Supergirls are quite vocal. You know, a lot of series choose like plot lines to bitch about or like, you know, certain. Got that too. Uh, <laughs> there's oh, that. I always, for most of the part, I've heard it about actors, like the characters being chosen, like this person shouldn't be allowed, um, shouldn't be casted. This person should be fired. This, no. all right, you got to explain it to me. What's going on? Why does, right. why, who's Cycles, I'll let you start. Who's <laughs> not working? I'm, well, some of it is uh, like racism. Yeah, there's, that's <laughs> so a big thing. Okay. Yeah. Let's take like Makad Brooks as James Olsen um, or, you know, just that sort of like not being aware that you're being influenced by your biases. And then there's stuff like actor drama things that aren't always driven by like reality and and the way the things they're actually saying. It's more of that same energy that we're just talking about where like you're trying to pick a hole because you have a reason to pick a hole. It's funny that you say that because 2016, at the end of season one, I was working on a paper actually and it was looking at like, pairings that were popular on like fan fiction sites. I thought that that paper was going to go in a direction. It was, oh, it was fall of 2016. So beginning of season two, I'm sorry. I thought it was going to go in one direction. And then there was a whole lot of like really negative fan reaction to an actor that when I started like Googling the phrases people were saying, it was leading me to like stormfront.org, which is a neo-Nazi message board. And I was like, so I'm going to go in a, in a different direction with this research paper now. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah. there's a whole lot of reasons for it that are going to go way too far in a nerd direction in terms of media studies. But like (laughs) that period from like 2014 to 2016 was also when there was like a massive um, propaganda operation going on by conservatives and conservative adjacent groups, putting a lot of what was essentially really negative, very heavily racially biased hate speech into phrases that used liberal language. And then it was being absorbed Mm -hmm. by people who were culture movers, there was an interviewer, I think it was Steve Bannon, like flat out said he targets like particularly like queer communities because they are drivers of culture. And it was putting all of this very negative, very toxic energy out into fan spaces. And then people were parroting that information out and using it as a critique of actors or of characters or storylines and being like really essentially advocating for censorship kind of <laughs> in a way that's very counter <laughs> yeah. to the, the the idea of being creative. Like if people as storytellers mm-hmm. are afraid to take risks because of, you know, the, the metaphorical pitchfork mob or because they their reputation will be endangered, like they're not going to take the risks. And so you sometimes get fans who think they're advocating for like better representation of a particular storyline, but they're actually creating such a hostile environment for creators mm-hmm. that they're shooting themselves in the foot because no one's going to yeah. want to take the risk and do that story and get it wrong because you have, you know, hundreds of thousands of people telling them that they should like die. It, no, it, it that once again, we we've we always talk about it. And we talked about it with Tara's podcast is that there's a fine line. You you hit a line where you have become so absorbed where you cannot tell fiction from reality and 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 everything else. And unfortunately, 
TV is on the same media as everything else, the news and everything. So everything gets crosswired, the internet, and we've got Tumblr. And we've seen in the last few years how easy it is for people to Photoshop and to (laughs) edit videos and edit, you know, what people, things are people are saying. Slow down an actor's facial reaction in a gift and try to say that it means something. I mean, we actually did a whole (laughs) podcast episode on this. It's called Superfans. And mm-hmm. it uses that yeah. term super fan, which is not like a pun on Supergirl. It's an actual term that's used in like like marketing for trying to create fans um, yeah. for shows. Mm-hmm. But addressing this issue, I mean, like Supergirl, there's like at one of the actors like siblings was completely driven off of Twitter because somebody like got his phone number and was like being creepy. Another yeah. actress who left the show had people like stalking her grandpa and like asking insensitive mm-hmm. questions about her immigrant origins like another mm-hmm. another yeah. actor who's new to the show has been getting like really gross like racist comments a character who was a guest for one episode was harassed and with a very racial undertone to it one of the other like another yeah. main actor in the show like people just don't like that he stands between a female character and the other person that they ship with that female character. So they like Photoshop him to make him look fat and distort his face and do all kinds of like body shaming things. It's there's so much Mm -hmm. that's so gross. Like here's the thing. And once again, I will say this time and time again on this podcast, because this is how I feel about trolls. If you have that amount of time and energy (laughs) to do shit like that, behind your imaginary keyboard here on the mm-hmm. internet behind a fake account, you need to get yourself checked Yeah, right the fuck now. Go make an appointment. I think a lot of that is driven by um, seeking some sort of like a social connection yeah. and validation. Yeah. So it's, it comes from the same place, uh, but it, like has that our darker edge as the poking of the holes because you're trying, you're posting things to get like people to be like, yeah, that's a controversial take that I yeah. like, you know, and get that kind yeah. of reaction and grow a following of your own. Yeah. And but then, you know, you create a space for yourself where, you know, you're surrounded by like people who are doing the same thing. And it's it's <laughs> you're creating enemies as opposed to you know, yeah. you're growing a community. Well, it, as I always tell my staff, it's one thing if you're going to write an article, say, yeah, I hate Fantastic Four. It's the, the worst thing since, <laughs> like, you know, you know, whatever. And you're fully passionate and behind it. But if you're looking to just stir the pot to bring trolls to the yard, that's a whole nother story. And mm-hmm. I feel like some of these people are just looking for for reaction. And, and we have to be honest, a lot of these people who are watching these shows are a lot younger than us. You know, there's a lot of kids who are on the internet who are, who are watching these shows who, who are probably die hard as much as we are, but do not have the years of wisdom behind them. You'd be surprised though, because I, I mean, I've been tracking this for years and some of the biggest proponents of it, it's, it's some of it's like college age, young adults, like, cause they have a lot of free time. Oh, really? but the okay. other group that actually I was surprised is the biggest proponent of this is actually people in like their forties and fifties. Shut up. Yeah. It's people who feel like they are owed things because they have a relative amount of social power in their real life. And then they're like, well, I'm going to mm-hmm. demand this with that very like customer servicey attitude of like, give this to me because mm-hmm. I say so. 
it's 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 wild. I'm just trying yeah. to wrap my head around that 40 and 50 year olds are want to watch the Supergirl. You guys, that's what I'm just I'm trying to wrap my head around. Yeah, like you know what I say. Like for me, those shows speak to our, like our generation yeah. and younger because when you think of that age bracket, I think of the CBS shows <laughs> like yeah, like CSI Miami. But that that's so surprising, surprising to hear. But then it makes me think, is that who these Internet warriors are? Are these 40 and 50 year olds starting shit on the Internet? Because that's they have nothing better to do. So some of it is like there's people who they like having that reputation as like the fandom elder who can like Uh, be the voice of experience and like, I've seen this before and we have to fight to have our representation and our ships and whatever mm-hmm. and it's like I, I'm like yeah I've seen your screen name in fan spaces since I was 13 years old like how have you not <laughs> moved on in life like as a person there's been this trend popping up recently and um Stitch of Stitch's Media Mix actually was talking about this as well like she does a column mm-hmm. on um fan issues teen vogue yeah for teen vogue um but yeah. saying there's been this new thing where people are kind of co-opting the language of um psychology and and psychological disorders and just sticking them willy-nilly on characters they don't like just to have a reason to like you know launch a crusade against them and not only does that mm-hmm. you know yeah. dilute the meaning of these very real things it, you don't you don't need to have a thesis for why you don't like something. You can just be like, it's not for me. I don't like it. You you know, you don't have to mm-hmm. invent a whole f- like made up excuse for why you don't like them. Some people don't like sports. Some people don't like knitting. Yeah. You, it, not everything is everybody's cup of tea. You can change the channel. I'm going to start an anti-knitting blog. <laughs> That's how I feel about some of these like reviews that come out like, oh, it was the worst thing. And like, like nobody was holding a gun to your head and making you watch it. Like you can change the channel or walk out of the theater at any time. You guys, you don't have to don't be a dick about it. And yeah, I mean, but that's one of the things. And I don't I don't know, maybe Tara, maybe have talked has talked about this as well. Like people who get their identity so bound up in being a fan either of a particular show or of like a particular kind of romantic pairing dynamic and then they follow it from show to show Mm -hmm. and like they it becomes so much a part of their identity that like when it doesn't happen they feel like personally threatened yeah like Mm -hmm. there was this one person who was like associated this one pairing with like being there for her when her mom died so then when the pairing ended she like literally still yells at the show and it's been five years and it's like the actor took a new job like what were they going to do take away her passport and like keep her in Canada like yeah well I think um, you know I think we touched on this a little bit with regard to co-opting like liberal language and a lot of it is also related and intertwined with that idea of like identity their identity is like uh, them trying to do something positive and not yeah. knowing how to and like having not having the tools yeah. to do it in a productive way and being like I can cross my my political activism with my love of media yeah. and like sometimes that is done for good you know results in positive yeah. things but sometimes it you know if you're not doing it with a critical eye um, on yourself and checking yourself and like is this about yeah. what I just what I want yeah well and like for examples within Supergirl like we've done a couple of, of fundraisers like through our podcast we did one for um the was it National Coalition Against Domestic Violence and then also one yeah, on um right. for immigration 
advocacy for for children who were abandoned at the border because Kara was, you know, a child who who fled to yeah. the earth. Um but also like there were there were fans of another character who like on the plus side they did this really great um like fundraiser for the Trevor project to represent like an LGBTQ character yeah. who had left the show. On the other hand, they started this weird hashtag campaign that was clogging up a feed that was for people who were looking for missing children. Like yeah, you got to use the internet wisely and make sure that you're not tr- you're not messing up with other people's important um, projects and make sure you double check your hashtags always. Yeah. Um, always, check what always, they're always. being used for before you decide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And some of it is just, I don't know if it's an age thing, but maybe just generally yeah. a life experience thing and like not having the awareness. Of, oh, this is, this is getting in the way of other things that I could be also interested in. Um, helping out with. Well, I think a lot of us, we, you know, like going back to Tara's, you talk about, you know, being identified. That's step four. You're in too yeah. deep already, as as Tara would say. <laughs> you're in you're in way too deep. You need to evaluate your your life choices here. But you have to look at everything and think about am I looking at this character because I want to be like them and I'm changing something that I see in them that I want in myself. Like, what, what am I yeah. fighting for here? Like, mm-hmm. like you say, are you going to put all this time and energy into fighting a TV show that probably is not going to change the entire plot for you to get this character back or your pairing to go? Or are mm-hmm. you going to try and take a step back and think, oh, well, I'm seeing this character inside me. Maybe I need X, Y, Z change and put the energy instead of fighting CW and Supergirl into mm. fix, you know, fixing your own life and and making yourself happy because Kara, there's these moments where she is happy. So it's not to say a character mm-hmm. is always depressed or it's always bad for them. That's not yeah. that's not true. There's always positive lights in these characters, and I think we focus so much on the negative. And there are positive ways to yeah. use that energy, exactly. you know, that you have exactly. in terms of activism and in terms of like your fan experience. Like we have a nice little like friendly creative space that. Uh, Vivi and I navigate in um, and it tries to live by, you know, the same values as the show like that cars, cars, like motto is hope, help and compassion for all, as I like to say frequently. Yes, you <laughs> um, do. That's perfect, yeah. though. Um, I wish I, I wish more people would do that. Um, those are very simple things to live by. And I think if everyone kind of did those things, the world would probably be a little bit better of a place that it currently mm-hmm. is. If we all could just be a little bit kinder to each other and and have some <laughs> hope and help each other out. So we're in the final season. I know this is really sad to say that the final season of Supergirl, do you have any hopes or wishes for this final season? Is like, do you guys have an ultimate way you want her to end? I secretly hope it ends with a Thanksgiving episode towards the end because the final episode will be in mm-hmm. November and they've used Thanksgiving traditionally throughout the series as like the family holiday that kind of ties a lot of things together at like pivotal points in the series. For me, I don't have anything super specific. Like if I were writing the show, there are things like I have ideas and stuff, but like I'm happy to watch what they're doing. And as long as they're consistent with what they have been doing, which is like found family, that motto of hope, help and compassion, that core of the show and and especially the emotional beats. Like, yes. give me this, there's this nice, deep emotional moments. Which is what it's really what we've been talking about has been what it's known for is those deep acting moments where you're just like, oh, this is this is good show. This isn't su- this is not superhero <laughs> bullshit, as I like to say. This is actual legit good stuff. If you guys had to pick one episode 
that your friend, you, a friend says, I've never seen Supergirl. I'm going to watch one episode. What's the episode you tell them to watch? Yeah, it's good. I already know mine. It's going to be Triggers <laughs> from season three, okay. which was like the very like Kara's like at her lowest point in the series. And you learn a little bit about her experience, that sort of origin story of her like getting trapped in the Phantom Zone. And it sheds light on the character in a nice way. And it's just a nice sort of like the first stepping stone of, of the turning point for a car as a character. And it's just got a lot of like nice emotional scenes. There's a little bit of like Kryptonian culture in there and um, her relation with uh, her sister, Alex, she had great scenes and yeah. with Jean and with Wynn, also another character of the show. So it's a good episode. All right, then I will pick Human for a Day, which is one of the first episodes in season one that made me want to watch the show. Yeah, Car becomes human. <laughs> Yes. So Kara loses her. She, at the end of the previous episode, she blows out her powers. She's never had that happen yep. before. And she's realizing that there are there's more to being a hero than having the powers, which is it's been kind of an evolution for her through the whole series of like, how do I be Kara as Supergirl, as Kara Danvers with my human identity? How do I make peace with mm -hmm. all of those things? And um there's a theme in that episode that the show has returned to in season six, which is how does Kara as Supergirl inspire everyone around her to be a hero in the ways that they can be? And this is really the first episode that does that. And it has some really, really strong just emotional work um, and, and scenes with all of the core cast. Um, yeah. Calista Flockhart has like an awesome whole scene in that episode. Yeah, she gives like this great speech, hope, the hope speech that sets up all of Kara's future hope speeches. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say those first those first couple episodes that you're just saying that it once again it was such a great pilot to set up that first mm -hmm. episode where you see her trying to like just be a normal human being and like be, how we've all been on our first day of our job you know trying we to all like, try I could imagine being her trying to be an assistant and then secretly know oh, no she's she's Supergirl I, I think that's what kind of drew me in um, was that first episode of just she's normal like the rest of us. She's just like that feeling of like, all right, she's just a normal thing. But yeah, she's but. got superhero powers, which makes her that mm -hmm. much more badass. It's, yes. it's about what she does with it as we see in that Human Exa for a Day episode. Exactly, exactly. I am so glad that you may have not answered all my Supergirl questions, which <laughs> is fine because I'm and now at this point, I'm going to probably only watch Supergirl and just say fuck it to the rest of the CW <laughs> universe. Just don't tell anybody I said that. I think my only question is, is can you answer me how Superman and Lois fits into all of this? Well, it is a little bit wonky because like yeah. Superman started on Supergirl. Like okay. it's technically like a like a spinoff, right? Um, but they they don't make any attempts and partially I think because of COVID. Yeah. Um yeah. to and like also not knowing how the schedules would line up is what one of the writers had said with regard to referencing Supergirl. Yeah. Um they don't really connect. The, there's not a sense that, oh, there's Supergirl flying out there. Too. So it's just Hoechlin. The, the, only, the only factor we've got is Superman. Yeah. Okay. They were intending to do a crossover back before all of their production plans got jacked up last year. And then at that point, the, the showrunners of Supergirl just gave Superman and Lois their blessing to do whatever they wanted. Like, <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> no, I literally yeah. did not even know they were connected until till the other night. Um, somebody was like, oh, yeah, that's a spinoff. And I said, no. And I had to Google yeah. it just to make sure yeah. that they were telling me the truth. 
He started on Supergirl as a character. It's it's definitely in terms of like him being like a little bit happier of a character, yeah. Like compared to say like the Man of Steel Superman edition, yeah. Um, yeah. So in that sense, it is like a byproduct of Supergirl, but everything else is very different, yeah. with, even with regards to like politics and stuff like that. So that was the yeah. other episode I was wavering on, which was from season two. It's called Last Children of Krypton, and it's got yeah. a lot of like. Kara interacting with Clark and kind of reflecting on like what she lost by her pod not landing when yeah. his did and him growing up like very human and very American and her yeah. her yeah. kind of struggling with feeling lonely. Earth brain as we that. like to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I'm glad that they're not connected and that I have to watch <laughs> them at all to, to get anything because you guys now know how I feel about things that are all connected. If it's too much, <laughs> I can't handle it. So I'm just going to stick to Supergirl. And when I finish Supergirl, we can have another discussion because I'm I'm sure this time next year, you guys will have digested the whole series and we can, Mm -hmm. I will have finally completed it all and I can go, (laughs) all right, I now get it. Let's chat. Um, yeah, you'll yeah. be like, and I disagree with everything you guys said. No, <laughs> I well, I have listened to quite a few of your guys' podcast episodes, which I want you to tell everybody about because you guys are amazing at breaking these things down and just having honest conversation. I love listening to you too. You guys are oh. hilarious. Um, Thank you. And you guys, you guys are very nitty gritty. I have a lot of people who ask me about Supergirl. We don't have a regular Supergirl person on staff. So anybody who asks about Supergirl, I send them to you. So... Hmm. How yes. do our fans find you, stalk you? Um, tell us about what you're working on, you guys. Uh, well, we have supergirlsaddict.com, and that's pretty easy to remember. Um, we're also on Twitter, uh, Tumblr, and Instagram at supergirlsaddict um, on most of the, you know, your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, even Google Podcasts. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Um, if you want to get a sense of kind of what our show is like with episodes that are not maybe like hyper-specific on one episode of the show in a current mm-hmm. season and you don't want spoiler. Well, uh, you want less spoilers. <laughs> there <be> some spoilers. <laughs> um, um, I will say uh, why the world needs Supergirl was when we just did over the past hiatus kind of reflecting ahead of the final season and like the legacy of the show. Yeah. Partners in Crime is another fun one. It talks about all of the sibling pairs that have appeared on the show, including Kara and her sister Alex, the Luthers, the mm-hmm. Olsons, and uh, a few other assorted buddies buddy pairs in there <laughs> and then you want to mention the then last we have one? the sound of supergirl which was a sort of surprise hit for us which <laughs> we dived into like the soundtrack songs that they use and what sort of what te- it tells you about the show and then also the score like like neely's score and like the themes that we see throughout the show um and what they mean for the characters so yeah. That was the last episode I just listened to. And I honestly was hoping really? I was just going to listen to you guys sing the entire episode about <laughs> Supergirl. <laughs> we think about it sometimes. We we sing a lot as we record and then we have to edit it out. Because... <laughs> Phoebe's like singing in the background while I'm trying to think about something. It's kind, it's kind, they actually play upon this issue. Um, the writers mentioned this in Supergirl last season. Um, Melissa started singing something from... Um, my Fair Lady, and she yeah. they had to tell her she couldn't actually sing it because of the copyright <laughs> claim. And, yeah, and she's yeah. like a Broadway person. So, yes, yeah. and so yeah, so we do a lot of that also, and then we're like, we can't include this because we'll get in trouble. Uh, <laughs> licensing, that's why <laughs> yeah. licensing was so <laughs> high, you guys. <laughs> yes, and knowing knowing that it will be August for many of the people listening, um, 
Supergirl's final season is actually going to come back really soon. It's going to come back next Tuesday, believe it or not. Um, And we have a new episode coming out on Monday, August 23rd. That's going to kind of recap for people the front part of season six and the character arcs they set up. And we're going to also look at how each of the major characters has kind of evolved since the beginning of the show to kind of start thinking about where they're going to go in the last, you know, 13 episodes. Yeah. So it's your perfect starter episode if you've just caught up on like Netflix, you know. Awesome. Now, if you guys have not checked out Supergirl, you can find it. They have it on, I believe it's still on the CW app. You can watch most of all the seasons, correct? You can watch the most recent episodes on CW app. You can watch on Netflix Ah. all the other. Okay. Yes. I knew knew it was... Sometimes the CW app holds them all hostage and then sometimes it goes to Netflix. I never know. So that's why I was like, I'm sure they know where it all is. If you liked this episode and you want to hear more, you can find the Game of Nerds podcast on Spotify, Apple, and all the other places you like to stream your second favorite podcast because obviously we're your first. If you need to catch up with the latest nerd news, reviews, or recommendations, you can head over to thegameofnerds.com. And make sure you're following us on all our various social media channels from Instagram to Twitter as The Game of Nerds. As always, nerds, level up or respawn.